What's going on, guys? So today I've got Megan Calloway on uh, on the show, and she's going to be talking about mastering pull-ups. Uh, so she is somewhat of an expert when it comes to to pull-ups. And uh, so first off, I want to say thank you for for jumping on the uh, the show, Megan. It's been a while. The last time we saw each other was at the uh, Strength Symposium back in 2019, I believe. It, time has flown. Yeah. yeah <laughs> thank it's, you for it's, having it's me as well. Minute. Yeah, no, it's great to have you here. So can uh, can you just start off by maybe introducing yourself for, for those who aren't familiar with who you are? Okay. I joke every time I'm asked this question. It's always my least favorite thing I'm asked on a podcast. But I've been a coach almost for 18 years now. I was exclusively in person for about 13 and, 13 and a half to 14 years. And then since then, I have been doing, I was doing a mix of online and in person. And for the past year in a bit, I've been exclusively online. I'm a multi-sport athlete. I played soccer competitively for 27 years. I played hockey, baseball. I, I mean, I love sports. For me, um, I use, I call it the three E's for my coaching, for my own training, for my content. I want to empower, educate, and excite. So if I can do that with my coaching and my content, I have found, at least in many cases, it's made a huge impact. And that's what I'm really trying to do. Um, kind of not fitness related, but I love animals. I love cats, dogs. I got the weirdest message on Instagram a couple days ago where I had shared a video of my cat and I was she was playing with her catnip and was getting really high. And so I was talking to her in my cat voice, like I will do. And so I had somebody message me, some random stranger, and ask what I was smoking. So I kind of, I deleted, like I blocked him. But I'm just like, I am me on social media. I don't put on an act. So kind of what you see, if you were working with me as a client, what you see on social media is what you get. So, I mean, that was kind of not really like an introduction to who, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of an introduction to who I am. <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> i i don't know why sometimes people feel the need to just call people out for things it's like you are aware that you chose to come here exactly you know? and it's it's funny actually because especially with with a lot of people who kind of get upset by some of the content that's posted yeah and they'll report people and it's like you are aware that like instagram only shows you things that you interact with so mm -hmm. if you interact with things that are making you angry you're only going to get more things that make you angry. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of hilarious how that works. But um, yeah. yeah, anyways, um, no, I'm really excited to have you here because, uh, you know, I, I don't think that you mentioned it, but uh, you have a lot of like pull-up specialization programs. And that's something that a lot of people, regardless of what their primary objectives are, want to get good at. Um, I know a lot of women, that's a big, big goal for women is getting good at doing pull-ups. Um, when I was coaching in person, I had a lot of females who wanted to do pull-ups, uh, even if their primary goal is either weight loss or strength or whatever. Um, and so it's cool to have you here. But I guess to kind of start off the conversation, I think a good place to start would be by breaking down the basic uh, technical execution of the pull-up and then just kind of briefly going over some of the primary muscles that are involved and some of the muscle actions that are actually happening when you're doing a pull-up. Okay. So I'm just going to talk about a basic pull up palms facing like palms facing away from you. I mean, you can use a neutral grip, you can people sometimes refer to pull ups and chin ups interchangeably, I don't. So you're going to grab onto the bar, you're going to adopt your preferred grip and hand positioning. In terms of body positioning, I, I don't use the term full hollow body just because it's almost a little more art. So I kind of refer to it as more of a slight hollow body. So you are in a bit more of a straighter line versus kind of that almost like banana shape for the hollow body. You want your head, torso and hips to be stacked one on top of each other. And I use a canister analogy a lot. So you kind of want to be like if you were to have a lot like, you know, in barrels, how there's lines, you want the lines to be one on top of each other. So head, torso and hips. In terms of the lower body, I like to fully extend the legs when people are learning. I found it's easier if they cross one foot over the other, just because it helps them keep their lower body in a more stable position. 
But when you're more advanced and you've kind of, when, once you're already able to do pull-ups, I mean, I do them with my legs side by side. It's kind of from a more aesthetically, like an aesthetic standpoint, like sort of calisthenics, all this more advanced stuff you see. It's kind of more aesthetically pleasing, but do whatever you like. If the knees have to be bent, if, for example, if you're using a bar where you cannot fully extend your legs without hitting the floor, you want to bend the knees, but you want tension in the lower body. So you squeeze your glutes, contract the hamstrings. If the legs are fully extended, you want to engage the quads and the glutes. So you want your lower body. And I mean, I'll talk about mistakes people make later on, but you want to keep your body as intentionally rigid as possible. And I often use a rigid board versus a floppy sandbag analogy. It's obviously easier to pull a rigid object versus an equally weighted floppy object. I mean, if you're doing that, you're probably pulling more dead weight. You're going to be more prone to swinging. So your path to the bar is going to be longer and less efficient. So that's what I'm looking for in terms of body positioning. When you initiate the rep, you want to think about drawing your shoulder blades together and down while simultaneously drawing your driving the elbows in towards the sides down towards the ground. What a lot of people do is they pull with their arms. They don't get the correct scapular movement. Their elbows often flare out. And as a result, they're sometimes more prone to using just arms than the muscles in the back. So as you're traveling towards the bar and are carrying like chin over the bar, you want to follow through with the movement in the shoulder blades and elbows that I described. When you're approaching the bar, don't reach up with your chin. So many people do that when they fall short and they think that completes the rep. So you want to keep your chin tucked, neck in a neutral position. On the way down, and this is where a lot of people go wrong, they do not allow their shoulder blades to move. And I've demoed this. It's one of my least favorite things to demo is lowering from a pull-up without allowing the shoulder blades to move. And you'll see like when they, on the way down, they should perform the opposite movements as on the way up. So they should move away from the spine, away from the opposite hip, and they should elevate a slight amount as well. If you keep the shoulder blades pinned, first of all, it feels terrible. You're, I mean, when I do it, my elbows feel like crap. I get a lot of tension in my upper traps and also neck area. And it is almost impossible to fully extend your elbows when you do not allow the shoulder blades to move. It just, it feels super awkward. So you want to allow the shoulder blades to move. A lot of people don't have the strength to do that. So that's something you need to work towards doing. I'll talk about that more later. And it should be a nice fluid movement on the way down. A lot of people, they either don't allow them to move at all. They just drop like free fall from the top position to the bottom, which is something you don't want to do. Or I kind of call it like a catch and a jerk or like a, they move and then they grab, move, grab. And it's like a really jerky lowering versus that smooth fluid lowering in the bottom position, your elbows, they should be fully extended. Don't hyperextend them. And you do not want to relax the joints in the bottom position, which is what a lot of people do. Something else that I see Super common, and again, it comes down to a lack of lumbopelvic stability, which could be due to an actual lack of lack of lumbopelvic stability or potentially just losing focus. When people lower, they will often allow their rib cage to flare back to arch, and then when they go to initiate the next rep, rather than having that stability, having the tension in the right areas. It's almost, it's like a very jerky movement. So they jerk their next rep. And you know, when you see people jerk deadlifts, what it looks like, it's kind of the same concept. You want the tension, you want to pull the bar down to you versus kind of thinking about pulling yourself up to the bar. And that's something I got from my former coach. That's going to help you use the right muscles. It's going to help you focus on the correct movements and just getting the tension where you want it. So, I mean, it's kind of a very roundabout way I went, went on explaining this. And I mean, I could troubleshoot so many different mistakes that people make. And I mean, we can cover that more extensively if you'd like. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was a great, uh, great explanation. And, and the one, th well, you brought up quite a few things, actually, that I, I think are big technical faults. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I think is most prevalent and 
the reason I say that is because even when I first became a PT, you know, like 10 or whatever years ago, um, that was a big thing that people would teach, not just for pull-ups, was you want to pack your scaps, right? You want to pack them first and then begin the row. And it's like, okay, but now we've just eliminated all of that, <laughs> all of that movement coming from the upper back. Yeah. And, and so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to do that preemptively. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of addressed that. And, and so as far as the, the muscles that are involved, I mean, obviously it's pretty obvious your, your upper back's going to be involved, your lats are going to be involved, things like that. But um, have you ever seen any common limiting factors in terms of like a, a specific muscle group that, or maybe not necessarily a muscle group, but like, let's say um, poor scapular mechanics or scapular stabilization uh, being, being a rate limiting factor? Yes. I mean, lumbopelvic stability, I find, is the most common limiting factor for people. And again, it can be due to legitimate lack of lumbopelvic stability, or people have the lumbopelvic stability, and they treat it more as just a purely an upper body exercise. So they pretty much forget about everything from their chest down. And so then you'll see like the legs are sloppy, you'll see the arch in the back, the flaring of the rib cage, it's kind of it's almost like a flopping fish out of water or in my pull-up presentation, I had the image of my big fluffy cat, Eric, who is like a big limp floppy object. And so moving him doing a pull-up would be very awkward versus pulling a rigid board of the same weight. So um, a lot of people, they do not have the ability to control the movement of the shoulder blades. And that can result in people overusing their arms and so sometimes when people, I mean, they might talk about elbow discomfort, it, the reps just might feel more challenging. They're lacking the, I think probably the strength, but just the ability to control the movement of the shoulder blades. So they're not getting the, the like they're not driving the shoulder blades in and down and you can see it. I mean, for example, if somebody's training in a tank top and you can see their scapula, you can see they're not getting that depression, retraction, and downward rotation on the way up. And then on the way down, you're see, you can see that they're not getting the upward rotation, protraction, and elevation. Or sometimes they might be on one side, but not the other. So a muscle yeah. that's overlooked by countless people, and the people that I work with, I just pound this concept in so much, is a serratus. So many people are not strong in their serratus. So due to that, and I mean, the serratus is responsible for the protraction, it helps stabilize the scapula and then the upward rotation. If they don't have that, those are key movements during the lowering component of the pull-up. And if you cannot, like a lot of people, they cannot get their arms into an overhead position without arching and flaring. That can also be due to lack of serratus strength. So by addressing the serratus, and there's so many ways you can do that, that's going to help with the pull-up. The mid to lower traps, a lot of people are so focused on their upper traps, they forget to train the mid to lower traps. That's going to help. I mean, training the lats as well. Mm -hmm. But I find the serratus, especially in the mid to lower traps, those are kind of the culprit areas for many. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've noticed as well, sometimes in, um, in people who get like shoulder pain, you know, when, when they're doing pull-ups is that they just have generally poor scapular mechanics. Mm -hmm. Like you get them into a bottom up kettlebell overhead press, or even just like a, a an overhead carry. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, they, they can't do it or one arm is great. And then the other one can't even do like one tenth of the, of the load. Yes. And, uh, and, and those are usually the people who also present with pain mm -hmm. um, or, or sometimes like just discomfort. They're like, ah, it just kind of hurts my shoulder or something yeah. like that. And so, so that, that's a really great point. Now, when, when someone does have that, what are some of the exercises that you do in order to enhance some of those, those skills? And I mean, I do use a lot of bottoms up exercises, kind of just more for the stability. And it's funny, I've shared pull-up features and I will sometimes include a bottoms-up kettlebell press. And people are like, why are you including pressing when it's a pull-up? Exactly what you just described is why I do. I love um, a lot of the exercises I used in Edmonton. So like the tall kneeling 
serratus slides up the wall with the roller where you're using the band resistance and you're lightly pushing out against the band. You push away from the roller first, protract the shoulder blades. So that's a very deliberate movement. Then you extend the arms, roll the roller up the wall while maintaining that 11 o'clock, so parallel forearm position. That's a good one. That ex It's one of the ones you think it would be really easy, but it exposes so many people for having a lack of serrated strength. And you'll see them arch the back, flare the ribs. They might shrug, like excessively shrug the shoulders, doing everything in their power to extend their arms. That's a good one. Um, you can do a similar exercise on the floor and it's almost more of a roll. It's like an ab rollout, but you're on the roller and you do the identical thing. Push away from the roller first, protract the shoulder blades. Then you try to roll the roller forward, extend your arms to a range where you can maintain proper form all the while maintaining the straight, like the canister position in the head, torso and hips. So it's kind of a combo core serratus exercise. You can do, I like band multi-directional taps. You can do from a plank position, from a bear crawl. I mean, there's so many different exercises I will use. I mean, overhead carries, loaded carries are great. You can do those kind of just more for shoulder scapular stability. Um, I was trying to, oh, I have one that I came up with at the very beginning of the pandemic. One of the toughest, like the most deceptively challenging exercises you will do lie on the floor on a towel or something that will slide, get into the top position of a pull-up. Then you literally perform a pull-up, the pull-up mechanics, and you pull your body forward on the floor, and then you push away and go back down. So, I mean, no, you're not lowering like you would during a pull-up. It's like a pull-push combo, but it is so challenging. And most people, and I'll get tagged in a lot of videos, when they go to initiate the pull, like the pull-up component, you will see the sh shoulders shrug towards the ears. You will see the shoulder blades just pop up. And so those are key mistakes people make during pull-ups. You'll see when they go to initiate the pull, rather than getting the depression, retraction, downward rotation, you see the shoulders just jack up towards the ears and then the shoulder blades elevate. And then it becomes a very jerky movement. So I could list so many others, but those are just a few. No, those, those are great. Um, the, the foam roller one, I remember watching that on your Instagram like a while back. Yeah. And I tried that and holy smokes, is that ever hard? I know. Like you, you can execute the movement, to, but to execute the movement in the way that you're describing is like, whoa. Yes. It lights you up. It's, it's, it's really, really tough. That's for sure. Especially for a big guy like me, like, I, I, I find it easier to get overhead if I have a load because then I can kind of resist against it a little bit sometimes. So, so yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great exercise as well. I, actually, I just thought of a really cool idea to make it tougher. I'm going to see if I can Man, I don't think I need to make that one tougher. <laughs> Having band resistance, I'd have to figure out how, but band resistance coming from the top down and so you're now having to resist the, as you're rolling forward, you're having to resist, like control the resistance of the band. And then as you're coming back, the band is going to make it a lot tougher. It, like it's going to be way more anti-extension on the way forward. And then on the way yeah. down, you're going to have to use the muscles around the shoulder blades that much more as well. Yeah. We'll see if I can set it up. It might be good. <laughs> a little torture chamber. Awesome. So, so what, what are some of the important cues that you, that you use to coach someone to improve those, uh, those, those issues? Because a lot of the times, like sometimes there's a strength deficit, but like I always tell people, strength, strength is a skill. And a lot of the times we don't necessarily, sometimes it's a muscular deficit, but more often than not, it's, it's a motor, motor skill deficit. And so how do you actually go about coaching better mechanics through through the shoulder blades when they're doing the pull-ups i mean it depends every single client i might use different cues depending on what i see but i mean even again like driving the elbows in and down because a lot of the and like so it's almost more of an arrow shape when you're in the top position the body and the arms a lot of people you'll see they pull and they do not get the correct movement. They're not using the muscles in the back. So the elbows flare out in the top position. 
So I might, I might say shoulder blades, like I just say shoulder blades in and down, elbows in and down. I mean, between sets, I would talk a lot more. I'd give a lot more detail. But when I'm in the moment with somebody, I'm not going to have elaborate sentences when I'm coaching. I kind of will talk in words versus long sentences. That might be something. Um, sometimes somebody even just crush something between your shoulder blades. People who are not getting the shoulder blades to retract and depress enough. I might say that. One, and it's a bit of a newer cue, pull the bar to you is good versus thinking kind of pulling yourself up. You're thinking about getting that tension and pulling the bar down. That can be helpful for people. I mean, even again, just getting the stability in the lumbopelvic region and lower body, that can help people. I mean, because if you're pulling a limp floppy object, it's going to be a lot tougher to get the correct scapular movement just because even just simply pulling the dead weight. I mean, for people who sometimes have a tendency of flaring the ribs, arching the back, you can't really see it during the pull-up because you're not going to look down at your shirt while you're doing the pull-up. But I use this cue a lot during dead bugs, hollow bodies, and it's quite relevant to pull-ups as well. If you're lying on your back on the floor or hanging from a pull-up bar, if you were to arch your back and flare your ribs, your shirt's going to suddenly kind of smooth out. If you're able to get the correct brace, the correct torso and rib position, and I mean, it's really easy to see during a dead bug or a hollow body, the shirt suddenly wrinkles. So for some people, and I mean, I've coached them during a dead bug, during a hollow body, so they know what I mean. I will tell them, I'll just say, wrinkle your shirt. And then they know, draw the rib cage down, get the correct 360 brace. Another time with a client and it worked wonders, it was, I've used this cue once and it worked so well. She had a tendency of arching and flaring and it ended up causing her to jerk all of her reps. Every time before she was to initiate the pull-up, I said, imagine you're doing a sit-up. And so, she, and I mean, we don't really, we don't do sit-ups, but she knew to bring her rib cage down. And so that prevented her from arching and flaring. And right away that helped fix so much. And she, this is a client I've been working with for over a year. She went from being able to do no pull-ups and we started out with all the modifications and she was still making these mistakes during those exercises. She is now able to do weighted pull-ups for multiple reps and with fantastic form. And I mean, she's somebody who's quite tall. She's quite tall. I don't know her weight. I mean, we don't really talk about weight or anything, but she is somebody who would be probably at a greater disadvantage because she is quite tall. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that's something that I do want to talk about as well, actually, is, you know, obviously progressions for people who can only do, let's say one or two, or maybe less, less than five and getting them up to 20, but then also people who can't even do a single pull up. Yeah. So, I have used bands in the past, but generally speaking, I'm not a big fan because of the resistance profile. They're cool, but they need to be implemented at the right time. Yeah. I found that like, I'm a, I'm a much bigger fan of like a machine assisted pull-up because that has a little bit more of a consistent, uh, uh, resistance profile. So it's like, it's, it's not incredibly easy at the bottom and it's, Cause like at the top, it doesn't really help you that much. The band, yeah. you know, well, depending on how you're using, but anyways, sorry, don't want to go too far off topic. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted, I wanted to know how you might progress someone who can't necessarily do a pull-up initially. What are some of the other exercises? Which exercises do you find have like a higher dynamic correspondence that maybe aren't necessarily even um, a, a vertical hole as yeah. well? So, I mean, I do like, it can either be called an active hang in my pull-up program. I call it a basic hang where you're just hanging from the bottom position of the pull-up. You're getting that correct scapular position. So you're not just free hanging on the joints. And like, I mean, and you're in the hollow, like the slight hollow body position, you have the correct tension. That's probably the most basic. Like you're literally just hanging from the bar in the bottom position of the pull-up. Then I have concentric hangs. Those can be more challenging for people you can either be standing on something so you're already pretty much at the bar or people sometimes if they're able to, they can jump and pull their, pull themselves up and then get to the top position of the pull up and hold. 
that one could be more challenging for people. And that was the one exercise in my pull-up program where I did receive a few emails from people and it's in phase one. And they said, they're not able to do it. What should they do? You can do the same thing on the floor, like on a Smith machine TRX where your body's on more of an angle versus just the vertical position. Eccentric only pull-ups are good. But again, they teach you how to lower. They don't teach you how to pull yourself up. So that's just one tool you should implement. You should not just rely on eccentric only pull-ups. Those are one scapula pull-ups. So you're in the active hang position and you're now incorporating the the depression, retraction, downward rotation of the shoulder blades and and the reverse movements on the way up. So that teaches people how to use the muscle, like basically to control the movement of their shoulder blades Band assisted pull-ups, I don't bring them into my pull-up program until phase three. It can be okay, but I find only once people are basically able to get the correct mechanics and body positioning of the pull-up, that's when you should bring in the band. And they should look just like regular pull-ups. Machine assisted pull-ups, I don't love them. The reason why I don't love them, I mean, they can be really good for helping reinforce the scapular movement, getting volume and all that, but it kind of takes away the lumbar pelvic stability requirements. So that's for that reason, I don't love them. Um, McGill pull-ups and Stu McGill said he did not name them that, but I always heard, like I got that name McGill pull-ups where you do one rep, and this is for people who can do pull-ups. You do one rep, rest for 10 to 20, or one to two reps, rest for 10 to 20 seconds, and then you repeat. So this helps people get more volume in, but without doing, basically having your form break down, like say you can do one, you don't want to keep grinding out crappy reps just because you're going to start reinforcing bad habits. Do your one to two rest build up. And then from there, you might be able to do two to three. And then you're going to gradually add the volume, but without taking away from the integrity of your reps. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like the, like using cluster sets. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's what kills me when people say, Oh, you don't need to do anything else. Just train for pull-ups by doing pull-ups. And I talked about this in Edmonton. I did swear in apparent one guy who was there, he didn't apparently, I guess most of the presenters swore quite a bit. I just said the S word once I said shit once, but I know other people swore a lot. And I guess he apparently wrote a blog post about all the presenters swearing but so I was talking about my muscle. as like a negative thing. Yes. He wrote a blog post that was devoted to, I guess, all the presenters and one in particular, I won't name him. He's amazing. He was a fantastic presenter, but he swore a lot. And so I guess this was apparently, yeah, anyway, you can ask. <sighs> oh my God. What a bitch. I just was like, really? I'm like so the presentations I thought were great. And you're focusing on people swearing a bit. But so what I, I, yeah, I, yeah, that's, I, that's I just said about, I was talking about my muscle ups and I said, this is when I was just starting to learn muscle ups and I was talking about my experience. And I said, if I had just trained for muscle ups by doing nothing but muscle ups, I would have gotten frustrated, discouraged, and would have probably quit. So I was working with a coach at the time and he gave me really fantastic regressions to work on. And then once I was able to actually do muscle ups, I would do as many as I could properly. And then I would stop. I would not just do as many as I could at any expense. But I said at the time, my form was shit. That's what I said. My form is shit. So I'm what's the point of doing muscle ups just for the sake of doing muscle ups? You want to do them properly. The the same applies to pull ups. And that's why I brought it up during my presentation. And now I can do muscle ups. It's been two years since I talked about it in the presentation, but I can actually do them now. And I think pretty well. Yeah. Well, it's funny actually, because even in gymnastics, I remember um, they they would specifically say like, if you're really, really struggling with, you know, hitting a certain move or position, take a break from it, go and do other stuff, you know, give it a bit of a break, let your body kind of like integrate it on its own. And let's, I don't know, let's say you're like, I don't know, struggling with rings or something like that. Go and do pummel horse for a little bit or parallel bars or something, right? And then you come back to it and it's like, it's it's almost like you've you've trained and developed strength and other skills doing different movements that end up carrying over anyways. But you're still able to make progress and still able to like psychologically be engaged. You go back, all of a sudden you can do it 
And now you're yeah. like, oh, okay, and now you can progress to the actual thing. And so, the the especially with pull ups, that never really made sense to me. No, like, oh, do pull ups. I'm like, well, if they can't do one, how are you going to get them to do one? Yeah, so I would get comments on occasion. Oh, why did you create a pull up program when you just should train for pull ups by doing pull ups? Yeah, Not it's like just 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 pull ups or lat pull downs, and it's like. No, like, like you said, the lat pull down is like, it's a great exercise. It's going to get your lat strong, but it completely neglects the, like what's actually going on. You know, it's like trying to do a handstand and then I'll tell people, I'm like, squeeze your quads, squeeze your legs together, squeeze your glutes, drop yeah. your rib cage in to develop that kind of hollow body position that you were talking about. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I feel so connected to the ground now. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's not shoulder strength. It's about stability. You know, yeah, obviously but both, but it's, I'm it's not more complicated. Handstand, so I'm not like the best expert, but when I do them and I do them well, it doesn't feel like a strength thing. It is purely a balance thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hugely a skill thing. Yes. Yeah, like it's skill, it's balance. It's not strength so much. And again, yeah. I'm not an expert with the handstand. I would not <laughs> myself that at all. <laughs> no. Oh, I was going to say, I forgot. So you were asking about exercises that don't even necessarily involve hanging from the bar. So inverted rows are helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you're getting similar mechanics. Yes, it is more diagonal than a vertical pull. That can be helpful. I'm a huge, huge fan of dead bugs. I, there's a ton of variations you can do, different hollow body holds, rollouts, the serratus rollouts that I talked about, stuff that teaches you how to generate the requisite levels of tension and keep yourself in the correct body position. Then you can focus on more of the upper body. Right. And basically it then becomes an up more of an upper body movement because you're not having to think about the other stuff so much, but it is yeah. a full body movement. I consider the pull up a full body exercise. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. Like if, if you watch gymnasts doing pull ups, they're, they're very rigid. Um, when you, they do muscle ups, they're rigid. When they do any sort of movements, they're rigid. And it's, yeah. it's the same thing when you're squatting, right? Like if you squat and then you kind of arch your back a bunch before you go down, it's like, awesome. You've just put your hamstrings and, and your glutes and your abdominals in a poor leverage position. Yeah. And you're going to start seeing the knees cave in the hips shooting up, or maybe even lateral shifting, things yeah. like that. And so all of a sudden you pull the rib cage down and that one little thing. And all of a sudden your squat looks like a completely different movement. Exactly. So, so that, that definitely makes sense. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like exercise frequency, intensity, progressions, um, and, and just kind of going through that process to build someone up from maybe they can do a couple of pull-ups, getting them to do either a really heavy weighted pull-up or, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 pull-ups. So you want to know about frequency first? Uh, well, kind of all of them. No, no particular yeah. order, just kind of okay. covering each of them. It, I mean, it depends on the person. Some people, if you recover really well, you might be able to train more frequently. If that is your, like your main goal, you might also train it more frequently. I mean, whereas if you have a goal of squats, pull-ups, bench press, a bunch of different goals, you might not be able to train them quite as frequently. So for people, I mean, anywhere from two to four days a week, kind of stuff where you're actually on the bar, but you can train pull-up specific components almost daily. I mean, you could work on dead, like the lumbar pelvic stability. So dead bugs, hollow body holds. You could, you could be doing bottoms up kettlebell presses, serratus slides. So, I mean, stuff where you're hanging from the bar, I'll say two to four days, but it does depend on the person. And then the other stuff you can do, I mean, almost daily. And I mean, I do recommend for most people taking a day off per week. But as somebody, I saw a post on Instagram, and I can't remember her exact words, but train as frequently as um, your ability to recover. I forget what her exact words, but basically, if you recover really well, you can train as much as you want. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I train six, seven days a week, not hard every single day, but I recover really well, and I don't do the same stuff all the time. So... Um, in terms of intensity, again, how you recover will dictate your intensity and like the frequency of the intensity. So if I recover really well, I might be able to go really hard for like maybe not four days a week, but three days a week with pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, pull-ups, different advanced variations. If my recovery isn't great, 
I might be able to do one day of kind of more intense, like with a higher intensity and then maybe one or two more days with a lower intensity. So, I mean, there is kind of no generic answer. It really does depend on the person. It might vary from week to week, month to month. I find as people kind of get better at pull-ups and their form improves, the recovery will be a lot better. It's like their elbows might, I mean, when people first start out a lot of the time because they're not doing things properly or because people are sometimes over eager and they overdo it, their joints might hurt. Elbows are a culprit or like probably one of the biggest culprit elbows, shoulders. So they might not be able to train as intense. Well, obviously they shouldn't be training probably with that intensity to start. Yeah, I know that makes sense. Yeah. And so it, 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 uh, Sounds like you're basically just kind of describing an undulating type mm. pattern, like a wave type pattern where you have a high day, a low day, a medium day, something like that. Yeah. And that exercise selection would kind of be dependent on what their individual deficits are and then also yeah. their, their recovery status. And so that, that is going to be a big thing as well, because um, a lot of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast are already going to have kind of a primary goal and a pull up goal would be, you know, secondary, tertiary, or, or definitely further down the list. Yeah. And so for, for those individuals, um, you know, as you mentioned, it might be better to do, let's say something like two times a week if it's in their, their accessory work. And so for someone like that, um, what are some, let's say progression strategies you've used? Uh, obviously it's not going to be specific to any individual, but just some general ones that you found are, are fairly effective. So what, what is their current level? The person that I'm talking to, like what's their, yeah, let, let's say they can do somewhere between like six to eight pretty good you know let's say 80 percent solid pull-ups oh, okay so i mean maybe one day they do go further maybe they do aim to do three sets of their max reps and then on the second day they might do and this is what i do with my muscle up training one day is kind of i do three or more sets i'm getting better at not doing one more set because i keep being like one more set one more set and then my volume was just ridiculous so I try to do, I say try, because I don't always practice what I preach. I try to do three sets of kind of my max volume, good form. And then I'll do a second day where I leave a couple of reps in the tank per set. And so say I could normally do six to eight, we'll say muscle ups, because that's kind of where I'm at right now is I can do seven. The next time I might do three sets of five. So rather than doing seven, six, six or something, I might do five, five, four. And so I feel very fresh. And then the next time I'll go for my max reps again, or what I might do because I find weighted pull-ups and muscle-ups for whatever reason, because you're generally, you don't do as many that I don't find they're as taxing. Your second day can be kind of more of a lower volume weighted reps. If you're able to do them, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of weighted pull-ups, and I I definitely agree. I but I think that kind of translates to to most training, right? Where volume is going to be a little bit more, a little bit more fatiguing to your to your actual central nervous system than uh, higher yeah. intensity. Like yeah. I find even right now. So right now I'm on a I'm dieting, so I'm actually losing weight. Yeah. But I'll go into the gym. So yesterday, perfect example. Um, I did deadlifts and squats same day. I did one top set of each. Yeah, that was my workout. Right. And then I had my accessory stuff, but that's like Bulgarians, you know, things like that. And, yeah. and so that's a little bit more muscle focused. And uh, I mean, the next day you're kind of like, Ooh, like I, I feel that. I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm, I'm yeah. 273. Um, and so obviously I'm going to get a little bit more out of less volume, but then at the same time I can get right back to it much, much faster. And I still get a very good result. Whereas yeah. if I were to do like, let's say four sets of, of five or something like that, that would kill me for, you know, much, much longer. So. Yeah. And I mean, it does really depend on the person, but the higher volume day, if doing max reps is a goal and then the lower volume day where you leave some reps in the tank per set, maybe, or maybe you just do fewer sets. You might do two sets instead of three, or again, you might, if you're at that level and it's a goal, lower volume sets of weighted pull-ups, and for whatever reason, for me, weighted pull-ups, weighted muscle-ups, I don't find them. If I'm really tired, I think to myself, oh, I really don't feel like doing high rep sets. Let's just do some weighted muscle-ups. 
And so last week I ended up getting a PR of like a 15 pound weighted muscle up on a day when I was supposed to do the higher volume, but I was tired and I didn't feel like it. And I, and it wasn't taxing. That's awesome. And yeah, those are strict pull up or strict muscle ups too. They're not the, uh, the, the kipping. No, when I was learning, so I, I never learned, I wasn't taught kipping because the guy I was working with really doesn't like kipping. And I don't want to talk about kipping too much, but it is a completely different skill from a regular pull up or a regular muscle up. It's like comparing apples and oranges. It's not the same thing. And so, I mean, no, I'm not a fan of it, but it's an impressive skill to learn. I'll say that. Um, But in terms of my muscle ups, when I was originally taught, I wasn't doing, I am doing false grip now, but I also, I have, um, but when I was taught false grip, I had all fingers over the bar. So it was kind of awkward. I didn't have a very good pull and it was harder to control the elbows Now I wrap my thumb under the bar. I'm still false, but I wrap the thumb under. It basically feels like, even though it is a bit false, it feels like a pull-up grip to me now. So my pull, it's really strong. But what I was going to say, when I was first taught, I was not using a false grip and I was using a bit of knee drive just until I got better at them. But I'm, and then once the pandemic hit, I didn't go back to the gym. I hadn't, haven't been back. I have a really, really good setup at my house. So I'm not missing a beat. I have a full outdoor gym in the backyard. I have a lot of really cool equipment and stuff. And I mean, it weights inside, but I've been doing strict false grip. And I am now able to do more strict false than I was doing before when I was using that leg drive, which is cheating. Yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of that too goes back to um, just the technique. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like when you start boxing, you're like, oh, I get way more power if I really like just loop my punch. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, but then once you become really good, you actually get less power when you do that because your body's not connected. So you're not transferring force very effectively. Yeah. And people are like, no way, because then you can still do this and this. And it's like, no, once you get better and then you actually get better. And you're like, oh, I have to work harder to be more efficient. And then once I learn how to be more efficient, then I get way more power, even though initially it's it's uh, can seem a lot harder. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's kind of funny how those things work. So one thing I wanted to talk about actually was utilization of, of straps or maybe even any grip training. Um, I've definitely noticed for some people who use straps, um, like especially because some of the bars just suck, man. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like there's one at my gym that's like really, really thin. And mm-hmm. so I, I need to really, really grab it. And it becomes really hard to actually grip properly yeah. to, to pull up. It's kind of like trying to do a pull up on a freaking telephone cord. You know, it's just too thin to actually grab. And so like sometimes I've seen people use straps. I don't use straps on, on pull ups, but I've seen them use it. And they find that it helps quite a bit in terms of locking in their grip. So, you know, do you ever use straps or do you just prefer uh, to do additional grip training or anything like that? I have never used straps it's funny. I've actually never seen anybody using straps for pull-ups. I would tell somebody, I mean, if you're using like a thin telephone wire bar, that's one thing. I mean, sure. Go for it. Other times. I mean, if the bars, if they're very smooth, sometimes they can be too smooth and then they become slippery. I just tell people to use chalk. And I mean, I know not all gyms allow chalk. So what you, I mean, maybe I'm not, well, this is what I do. I'm not saying to necessarily do this, but I have liquid chalk. And last year, prior to all this pandemic stuff, when I was going to the gym, I would have a little thing of liquid chalk in my bag. And then you can sneak it on your hands and it makes no mess whatsoever. And then you just wipe it up after off, but you wipe the bar and nobody knows. Chalk can be good. Um, I mean, if you have to use straps, if the bar is too thin, if the bar is too slippery, go for it. But I am a huge fan of grip training Again, like bottoms up holds, bottoms up presses, bottoms up loaded carries. One of probably my favorite trap bar loaded carries, just because you can go so heavy. Trap bar loaded carries. Um, I don't think I demoed this in Edmonton. The ISO hold, the revert, the grip pull up, the pull up chin up grip switches. I don't think I did. Luca Hosevar, I got the idea from him. So you're in the top position of a chin up to start on the bar. And then you literally change the grip, pull up grip on the one hand, pull up grip, chin up grip, chin up grip, while maintaining the pull up 
specific body position in the top position of the pull-up, it is really, really difficult. That's one of my favorites. You can use fat grips on pretty much any exercise. I mean, even just bicep curls with fat grips. You can do pull-ups using the fat grips. You could do some of the pull-up regressions um, using the fat grips. There's so many different things you can do. So, I mean, yeah, if you have to use the straps, use them, but also make sure that your grip isn't the limiting factor. Yeah, no, I, I, I haven't, I haven't really seen anyone who's using it because grip is a limiting factor. I just find that I know a lot of bodybuilders will use straps when they do pull downs or rows sometimes yeah, to I make see. sure that their arms mm. aren't really taking over. And yeah. I've seen people do that in, in, for pull-ups. I tried it, like, I've tried it a couple times and I definitely noticed a difference. Yeah. Um, but I also am not very good at pull-ups. So <laughs> I don't do them all that often. So I was just wondering if that was something you'd ever done or seen or implemented. Or even something that I did, I strained, it's a long time ago, I strained my forearm doing a back lever. And it was a perfect example of one more set, one more set, one more set. And I did three really good sets, but I wasn't satisfied. So I did a four set when I should not have. And then because I was, I was fatigued, I strained my forearm. And so what I did, for whatever reason, pull-ups did not bother it, muscle-ups did not bother it but I wanted to give it a break when I was doing all the other rowing stuff. So bent over rows, inverted rows. I mostly used it for the bent over rows just for maybe about two weeks, just to give the muscles in my arm a bit of a break so they could recover. That worked really well. So, I mean, by all means do it if you need to. Hmm. So do you ever use like rings or anything like that when doing pull-ups or I even do. even as some of like the uh, the primer drills maybe to um, to prep you for for doing pull ups on that day. It depends. I mean, because I mostly focus on muscle ups. I don't do a lot of pull ups just because I mean muscle ups are a high pull up, and obviously my palms are facing forward. So um, I do have rings in the backyard. So I do neutral grip pull ups when I do pull ups, or I'm doing chin ups as well just so I'm not only doing a pronated grip for everything I'm doing. If somebody else, I mean, people can use rings that they prefer for anything, pull-ups for the regressions. That's totally cool as well. Yeah. And so what are some additional considerations that maybe we haven't touched on already that you think are pretty important for, for developing a, you know, good pull-up strength? I mean, again, the one, the concept that I just keep emphasizing over and over is make sure that you have the lumbopelvic stability. I mean, again, so many people, strong people, professional athletes, you see so many people who, you know, are very strong, but they might not have the lumbopelvic stability to do the pull-ups. So you see the breakdowns in form, you see the pulling dead weight, you see the swinging, the jerking, the pull. So, I mean, if people do that, first of all, you want to see, is it just more of a mental breakdown or do they actually truly lack the lumbopelvic stability? So if you figure out that they truly lack the lumbopelvic stability, incorporating the exercises that I described before, so dead bugs, hollow body holds, the serratus, like the roller slides, ab wheel rollouts, there's so many different exercises you can do. Then, I mean, of course, the different exercises for the serratus, um, just the basic, like the active hang, concentric hang, scapula pull-ups. It really does depend on the person. And also belief. So many people, especially women, do not think that they can do pull-ups. And so, so much of it boils down to a lack of belief. Once people have the belief and they're given the tools, then you see them thrive. And that's kind of what I try to do in general with my coaching, with my content, with my pull-up program. I want people to believe they can do pull-ups because most, I mean, not everybody, you can't guarantee that everybody is going to be able to do a pull-up, but most, or at least like a, the vast majority of people, if they don't skip from A to Z, if they really, really focus on pull-ups, they should eventually make, like be able to do at least one. Yeah. I I've, Personally, I've never met anyone like, especially recently, there's been a talk, a lot of talk about like, 
non-responders and hard gainers and things like that. And a lot of that stuff, in my opinion, is really taken out of context. Like Mm -hmm. I've coached a lot of people and I've coached a lot of like, quote unquote, hard gainers. Mm -hmm. And when you really, really dial it in, it's like, okay, sure. They might have to do more than next guy, but I've never had someone that I couldn't make substantially stronger and or bigger, not just, not just bigger, but actually more muscular. Right. And, and so it's like, it might take more work and more like precision and dedication versus the next guy who's just a little bit more, you know, genetically gifted. But at the same time, like, you know, especially women, I've never met a woman who I couldn't get to do pull-ups, you know? Yeah. And and that ends up being a pretty, pretty cool thing from a, you you mentioned like a confidence standpoint. So that ends up being a big thing for them as well, especially because like women have a fairly significant disadvantage having a lot of their, their weight situated in their lower half. Right. So I joke, but I have the perfect, like me, I, if I were to gain weight, it would be from the waist up. I do not gain weight in my legs. So I have such <laughs> an advantage for pull-ups, muscle-ups, all that. I know a lot of women, it's the opposite. And they might be bad, like maybe doing squats and deadlifts and all that might come easier to them. And then me, I have the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, well, you got to play to your strengths, right? <laughs> that's true. And I mean, I have never been a one RM person for squats and deadlifts. I never really enjoyed that. I'm kind of more, I love the kind of medium rep range. That's where I do really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. I love one RM stuff, like just lifting really heavy weight. Unfortunately, I just can't lift a lot of heavy weight. So yeah. <laughs> I just need to get stronger. Um, well, you know, honestly, that, that was pretty much it. That's all I really wanted to cover. Uh, thanks so much for jumping on, Megan. It was a really, really great show. Uh, definitely learned a lot of really cool exercises and potential strategies to, to help build my own pull-ups, actually, because that's something that I've kind of wanted to do, but I've always kind of slacked off on it. But now I, now I actually have a reason to, to get back at it, I guess. Well, I hope I didn't. I'm sure I forgot a ton of what I wanted to say, but I hope I covered enough that I gave people the tool, or at least many of the tools. Oh, for sure. No, there, it was it was really helpful. So where can people find you? Probably um, Instagram is kind of my hub. I joke it's my hub. I have on my link page, I have pretty much all my websites, products, stuff like that. So I never remember my Instagram name just because I had an old account that I have not been able to close. I believe, hang on, sorry, this is so stupid. It's, yeah, Megan Calloway Fitness. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if it was that or just Megan Calloway. So Megan yeah. Calloway <laughs> is my Instagram name. I love how you forgot your Instagram name. So all that stuff is <laughs> going to be linked up in the show notes, guys. Make sure you go check it out. Give her a follow. She puts up lots and lots of great content um, on, on her Instagram page as well as her website that will teach you how to get super, super strong with some really cool exercises that actually extend just beyond, uh, beyond just pull-ups. So Megan, again, thanks so much for jumping on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me.